here to the GM Live at Pete and Terry's Tavern, where, of course, we're getting you set for everything today. Preds and Ducks tonight, 7 o'clock. Hal will be here at 5.30. Predators game day, 5.45. Get excited, people. But I got excited. I got a little excited last night, Floyd, watching Monday Night Countdown. Did you see the latest nugget from Adam Schefter? I, I don't think I did. Oh, it's a good one. It's a doozy. It's one that's kind of been touched on before. But it's a little different when it comes from Schefter because Schefter is a Mr. All Things NFL, right? Uh, yeah. Now, I know you hate the media. But, I hate the media. But Adam is one of the chief insiders. And on Monday Night Countdown, Adam Schefter talked about the future of Tom Brady in New England. This is what Schefter said. We're going to talk about Tom Brady's future. Is that where we're going? Yes. There we go. Okay. Again, let's just boil this down to the basic facts once again. When we talk about Tom and his future, let's look at some simple things. Has he put his home for sale? Yeah, but... Hold on, Steve. Has he put his home for sale? Yes. Has his trainer put his home for sale? Yes. Has he set up his contract to void after the season to become a free agent? Yes. So if he's selling his home and his trainer's selling his home and he's boarding his contract, what does that tell you? It tells you that he's now recognizes in the NFL that you can play much longer because the game is safer for quarterbacks. It is easier in many ways for quarterbacks. And because of that, you're going to get guys that play 23, 24 years. The odds of you playing on one team just go down more and more as you play longer and longer. So your point being... That the odds of Bill, uh, Tom Brady finishing in New England are getting lower as he plays longer, just because it's there's opportunity and option. But it and sounds like he's making these decisions correct. on his own. That correct. he's dictating. He's setting it up. He's setting it up, and we'll see to move on. Now, listen. There are many times people set up things in their life to move on, and they walk to the abyss and they look down and they say, "Whoa, I'm not jumping now." So he could change his mind. But I'm just telling you, if you look at it in his mind, it has to be clear. He's thinking about leaving New England. So you hear Adam Schefter say he doesn't think Tom Brady is on the Patriots next year. Now, I think there are a couple factors that play into this. And I think the number one factor is this. I'm not sure Brady looks like the same Brady out there on the football field. I mean, I think Brady is starting to show some signs of his age. Now, their defense is so good, and they've played nobody who's worth anything, that maybe that has covered it up a little bit. But I wonder if Belichick, you know, because Brady's going to want $25 million or $30 million or something to play quarterback next year. I wonder if Belichick thinks, no, no, I, I use everybody until the, the time that I no longer need them anymore, and Tom, I no longer need you at the end of the year. I think that's a factor that's in play with Brady. And the reason I think this is a big deal is because... Who's going to have a quarterback opening and who's his buddy coaching? And I am convinced that if Brady were to leave New England, that he would be the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans. (laughs) What do you think of the latest from Adam Schefter? Whatever. (laughs) I mean, how many times a year do we do this every year? About Brady? Yeah. This is like the every, first year no, since no, his contract no. came Every year at some point in time, there are two discussions that always revolve around New England. One is the dynasty over. 
couple years ago after they lost to Kansas City. Oh, they're done. That's not the same team. Well, they hadn't won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl in 10 years at that point. Then every uh, – and once or twice a year, there's always – Oh, yeah, Brady's going. He's going to get a new contract. They're going to trade Brady. He's not going to be here. I mean, we talk about it every year. Yeah, but now Brady's starting to show his age. I mean, Brady is not lighting it up like I'm used to Brady doing, which maybe would make you not want him on the Titans. Now, I'll take Tom Brady on the Titans because if Brady were to come available, which you heard Schefter there, his trainer put his house in the market, what do we make of Brady's trainer putting his house in the market? I didn't even know that. <laughs> what about the babysitter? She put her house on the market? The trainer matters. Babysitter, baby did it. The trainer matters. I, I think the babysitter the guru probably trainer did. business partner, he matters in this. <laughs> I And I wonder if Belichick would want Brady back at the price Brady's going to command at age 44 or 43, which I think Brady would be 43 next year. If Brady is declining, would Belichick want to pay the guy well, $30 Brady, million? Dollars? Brady did an interview with uh, with Randy, and they asked him. And Randy says, hey, what do you think? He said, well, you know, we're we're getting up there pretty good now. I mean, he made it sound like uh, we'll get through this year and then, and then really look at it. Uh, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked at the end of the year if he said, okay, I'm done. What if this is all part of the plan? Which is you hire Mike Vrabel to be coach so that it gives you the inside track on getting Brady, on getting Brady, and then you wait for Mariota to give you the opportunity so you can get rid of him, which he gave you in the Denver game, and then you've got a quarterback situation that is completely unsettled with a decent team that you can sell to Tom Brady and say, come to Nashville next year, maybe your final year, maybe you've got two years left, I don't know, come to Nashville and be the starting quarterback. And maybe that's the plan with Vrabel, because he would have the insight, because he's Brady's friend, about where Brady wants to be, what Brady wants to do. Okay. No chance. Zero. Zero point zero. I think there's got to be a chance. Zero point zero. You think Belichick's going to give Brady whatever he wants to come back next year? Zero. Let me ask you this. What, has Brady asked for what he's been worth at any point in time in his career? No. Well, I've never the negotiated. The answer is no. I, I've never negotiated a Tom Brady contract. Whatever the highest paid guy in the league is, he should get $5 million more. But has never ever gone there, and he, he's not going to go there now. I mean, he's made a he's made a living out of doing this, and won a lot of rings, and that's important to him. Okay, but what if he says to Belichick, "Hey, this is you know this is going to be my last contract really ever. I want twenty six million dollars," and Belichick's thinking the decline's there. I'd rather spend the money on the defense. Let me give Stidham a try. And pay the quarterback seven hundred thousand, and spend that money on the defense, or spend that money on wide receivers, or spend that money somewhere else. What was the score of the game last night? I mean, Mariota could have quarterback the Patriots. What was the score of the game? They got five turnovers. What was the score of the game? I don't know, like thirty to nothing. Okay. 
But you got to admit, Brady's rest, not lighting it up. Rest like, my case. You, Brady is not lighting it up. He looks they, like an old man. They know why Brady's not lighting it up. And so what they do today? Did you see? They went and traded for Sanu? Yes. Oh, so it's all part of that problem. Now they've got Edelman, Sanu, and... Jacoby Myers. Who's the drug guy? Oh, Josh Gordon. Gordon. So they'll they'll be okay. Although Gordon, he misses more games than he plays. He does. He misses a lot. I mean, you know, at least be healthy now that you're not suspended. At least yeah, get out there so you can play. He misses a lot. So Adam Schefter says he does not think Brady will play in New England. I am of the belief if Brady is not playing in New England next year, he will play here. 615-737-1025, We'll get to your reaction on that. Plus, what a former Hall of Fame, well, what a Hall of Famer said about Ryan Tannehill. We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. Make your picks now for the three college football underdog teams you think will win. Uh, this Saturday, weekly winners will win a pair of tickets to an upcoming national sporting event or concert. Hit up thegamenational.com or the ESPN The Game mobile app now and play. Silly Underdog Picks is sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Jared and the GM, CSP and 1025 The Game is streaming on the Game Nashville app. Tom, you told us yesterday that you're going to be looking for consistency on offense tonight. What did you find? We're looking for it, and we're going to you know, try to be a little better next week. So glad we won. Defense played great. And, um, you know, got to try to go home and, and beat Cleveland next week. So good to win on the road, and um, happy we won. You said it. The defense, another dominant performance. What impressed you most about just watching them work tonight? They're doing a great job. They're putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, catching the ball. Um, they have a lot of good players, so it's, uh, it's fun to watch them. And you go up against that defense every day in practice, so who yeah. gets the best of whom, you or the defense? Uh, it depends. It depends, but they're pretty good. So we've had our fair share of, of, uh, of ups and downs. People know right now the defense is outplaying the offense in practice for the New England Patriots because the offense is what it is. The defense is on pace to give up less points than the 2,000 Ravens. Now, let's, oh, defense has given up less than a touchdown a, a game. Now, they have played the Jets twice, including once with Luke Falk. They've played the Dolphins. They've played the Bills. I mean, they've played some really horrid teams. You know, it's, it's time for the Patriots to play some good teams. But, again, Adam Schefter says Brady does not think Brady will be in New England next year. And he, where's Brady's buddy coach? He coaches here. Great town to live in. Here. I could see it. Brady likes DeSano's pizza. Here. So I'm just saying I could see it. Uh, Shannon Sharp tweeted out last night during the game. Now, again, I I really like Ryan Tannehill right now, and I wonder if Tannehill can go out there and if Tannehill can play well and be the starting quarterback beyond this year. But so last night, watching the game, Shannon Sharp tweeted out, quote, Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp, said, quote, Adam Gase is going to let Sam Darnold get him fired like Ryan Tannehill did in Miami. Watch. Is Ryan Tannehill the reason that Adam Gase got fired in Miami? And if that's the case, then should we look at Tannehill more than just a fill-in because the starter stinks? (laughs) Tannehill, like everybody, they're going to come here. We're hoping 
He's the answer for us. He's got a long way to go. And if he ends up being the answer, I mean, I think everybody would be thrilled. But, I mean, you know, is everybody holding their breath thinking he's going to be? Well, I doubt that. So, you know, it's a wait-and-see thing with Tannehill. You know, they're just hoping that, I mean, if he can play 10 games like he did last weekend, he's probably going to be in good shape. We're going to be in good shape. I mean, we're going to win a majority of the games. And I don't know where that puts us, but but it'll certainly be a lot better than the way we started. Um, But can he do it? And the answer is we just don't know. I mean, I think this, you could argue this is maybe the best team he's played with. Um, and, and I don't know all of the teams he's played with, but I know what Miami's been for a while. So, you know, you could argue that. Maybe this is the best defense he's played with. Maybe it's a, the best group of receivers. I don't know. But I think all of those things are possibilities. And if that's the case, then you know what? I mean, if he can get in there and, and bring them all together and make it work, I think we'd all be thrilled. I mean, I think Adam Gase got fired in Miami because they were never really good and they just decided to clean house. They fired the general manager. They fired the coach. They got rid of the quarterback. They got rid of every good player on that team. That's why Gase got fired. And I I don't think Gase is a good coach, but I I don't think – I mean, when you go team to team, and, like, let's say Shannon Sharp thinks that Tannehill got Gase fired. And now remember, Shannon's a Bronco guy, and where was Gase? He was with the Broncos. So maybe Shannon is loyal to Gase because, I don't know, maybe Elway likes Gase. So maybe Shannon is loyal to Gase. Although if Elway liked Gase so much, he would have made Gase the head coach this year after he fired Vance Joseph, and he didn't. So make that of what you will. But if if Tannehill got him fired and then he goes to the Jets and Darnold gets him fired, which I still am not ready to give up on Sam Darnold after turning the ball over five times last night. I, mean, I think you'd, be, you'd have to be moronic to give up on Darnold for one bad game especially if you're going to anoint him king quarterback after killing the Cowboys two weeks ago. But, yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're going to go out on a limb and give a young guy like that the job, boom, he's the guy. Well, you know he's the guy coming in. So it's not like you've got a lot of choice. Well, I mean, my thing is, like, let's say Darnold gets him fired. Well, eventually, if you're a quarterback guru and quarterbacks keep getting you fired everywhere you go, maybe it's not the quarterback, maybe it's you. Yeah, and it's like everything else. You know, you need to and, – and I understand what happens. This happens all the time. If you're a young guy and you want to be a head coach, you're going to take the first thing that comes along. Or if you're a guy that's just been fired and you can, and you got a chance to get another job, you're going to take any job that comes along. Mm-hmm. Because you – now, what's the job like once you get it? It may not be worth a hill of beans, but – you're a head coach in the NFL. You're making good money. You're running your program, and you got a prayer. You got a chance. Um, and so, I mean, I, it depends on why you take these jobs because some of these jobs, let's face it now, you know, going in, they're not great jobs. Mm-hmm. But you're a head coach in the NFL. It's worth it. Let's go to your phone six one five seven three seven one zero two five is the phone number. Forrest is mad at me about the Adam Schefter clip on Tom Brady. Go ahead, Forrest. Jared, you really have to lay off the Magic Brownies, pro. There is no way on God's green earth that Tom Brady is coming to Tennessee. First of all, can Tennessee afford to pay him $25 million a year 
he's only going to be around for what two years. Yes, they deal. can't afford to pay him that much. If you can afford to pay Mariota twenty point nine, you can afford to pay Tom Brady twenty five. Okay, if Tom Brady ends up in Nashville, I will personally go buy season tickets to watch that recreational team play over on West End. <laughs> no, spend your money on something that matters more. <laughs> Andrew is up next. I'm just saying that Adam Schefter said that he believes Brady is not going to be in New England next year. I'm just going off of that. Everything else, have what you want. If Brady's not in New England next year, I think he's here. Andrew is up next. Thank you for calling on Tom Brady. Go ahead, Andrew. All right, quick question How do you convince an aging Tom Brady to play behind this offensive line that's been so inconsistent? Now, that's a good question, and I appreciate your call. I think you can sell to Brady. I think you can sell to him Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold, like those guys, the way that you believe in them, even though Saffold's kind of sucked this year, although he played much better this past game. I think you can sell him on the individual guys. Now, the line does stink, but I think you sell Brady on the defense and the receivers, and then you pretty much are telling Brady – Hey, you got the offense. Now, he's got the best defense in the league and and probably the three best receivers in the league or among the top no. three best. No. Who's got better? Better receivers than him? Yeah. Atlanta has better receivers, and they're terrible. And they got who? Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Okay, they got Sanu, they got Gordon, and they got Edelman. Now, which three do you want? I want Atlanta's. Oh, okay. I do you not want. We're I, good. The Patriot receivers are not good. We're good. And right now, Gordon's hurt all the time, and Sanu hasn't gotten there, so he's throwing to Jacoby Myers. Sanu I'll, I'll is, take Sanu. Is that right now? I'll take New Orleans uh, receivers over them. And who are they? Michael Thomas. You know one guy. Tommy Lee Lewis. And, uh, <laughs> he's a singer. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, isn't Tommy Lee Lewis on the same? <laughs> you got no clue. You do, you got you know one receiver on one team that is really a good receiver, and you got and there's New Orleans. Who have they got? Tommy Lee Lewis. <laughs> Tom, hey, look, Tommy Lee Lewis for the Saints. Great. They oh, got great. him. He's a good receiver. Oh, Tommy Camara? Lee. Camara. You didn't even know him. Camara. <laughs> I think he's pretty Camara good. Camara is a running back. He's a, he's a really good receiver. Though. He's a running back. He's a good receiver. Okay, what about Dallas? <laughs> and, who, and who do you want from Dallas? Cooper. Brian? Okay. Cooper. Gallup. You want Gallup? I like Gallup. Okay, you can have Gallup. Okay, what about the Eagles? You're going two guys. I've got three. Give me three. Well, Dallas has a I tight said ends. best group of receivers. The Patriots drive the best group of receivers. They got. Okay, they have the best me, group of receivers in their own division. That's all they, they got. Give me, give me, give me three. They're better. That's I would, all but I'm we asking. gotta get to Trevor Maddich next. Six one. Oh, you know who I'll take? I'll take uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and Kenny Fuller's, Stills. Fuller's hurt. He's not playing. He'll Stills come back. is hurt. He's not playing. They'll come back. They're both you got coming. One back. of those guys. Again, and I'll still take I'm that one guy. Three. And I don't even like DeAndre Hopkins because apparently DeAndre Hopkins is even like me. So uh, again, I'm just telling you, I would take the Texan receivers. Uh, I would take uh, the Titan receivers over the Patriot receivers. <laughs> I would take. That's fine. I'm done. 
Tampa has two I, I, good I, receivers. I don't know I, who their third I, receiver is, but Tampa's got a couple Tampa's of good ones. Tampa's got some receivers. I, I, I mean, I got, you know. Let's go to Denver Dan. No, let's not. Let's go Denver to Trevor Maddich. Trevor oh, Maddich is coming up next. ESPN college football analyst. You need to stop doing that. You Both times you've done that, you've done it right at the clock. We, we, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I believe, get so tired of hearing your stuff. I, I believe America. To get away. I believe this weekend. I'm trying to break out. We have seen America go soft. And, and we will me. get to that with Trevor Maddich next. Jared and the GM live from Beaton Terry's Tavern at CSP at 1025 The Game. Jared and the GM, we are live at Bridgestone Arena. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Ian is Trevor there. Okay, so we're working on getting Trevor mad. He's got a lot going on right now out here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Um, just a lot going on. Sorry, Dave. We, we got a lot going on. So, anywho. My dog got sick this morning. It looked very much like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a little bit of a mistake over there. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, anywho. So I believe America has gone soft. Do you want to know where I think America's gone soft? At? Okay, because they carry bags of protein shake around with them. Hey, I'm trying to drink a protein shake and I knocked the thing over. And but you know what? At least I did it away from the broadcast equipment. I feel bad because I got it all over their equipment, but uh, at least I got it away from the broadcast equipment, which you know I'm sure that they take no solace out of. Uh, but anywho, so I think America has gone soft. So I did not even think of this. So, Jer- so Jared Garantano on Saturday tries to fake, right? Like, or I don't even know what he was trying to do. He's trying to sneak it in for a touchdown. Fumbles the ball. Alabama runs it back for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, you know, Garantano comes out of the game and Pruitt grabs his, just touches his face mask, right? Not a big deal, right? No. So I'm watching Get Up this morning. And they are breaking it down with Marcus Spears and Desmond Howard about Jeremy Pruitt touching the face mask. This is what they said. Let's show you the video here. This is going to be Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt. And you're going to see him grabbing a player by the face mask. The player is the quarterback, uh, Jarrett Garantano. This was a goal line fumble, so it's obviously not a great play here. And you're going to see as he comes over to the sideline, just stay with it, grabbing the face mask. It's, It's not violent, but it is a brief moment there. Swagoo, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock, and I really want to let you have the floor. What did you make of that? Let me preface this by saying that that wasn't egregious. The one that Jumbo Fisher had last year was egregious. I don't think you do that. Here's my issue, though, G. You don't know the reaction of these players. That's my issue. Everybody talks about, well, it's soft now. Let me tell you something. I played nine years in the damn NFL with grown men that didn't give a damn about your feelings. What I see when I see that situation, though, is a a – a power move, right? I don't, you don't. You won't do that. What if we saw a player go, a coach make a bad call, and a player go grab his head and be like, "What the hell are you doing?" So that's my issue with it. So they make the big deal about the grabbing of Jarrett Garantano's face mask, and you heard Marcus Spears say, "You know, uh, it's kind of a football thing." Well, then Desmond Howard gave his take, and Greenberg gave his take on it. This is what they said on Get Up this morning in my opinion, that acted like that. But they knew who to act like that towards and who not to act there like that towards. So that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, better, I, you better know who you're doing it to. Exactly. Trust I, me. I don't yeah. think this is that complicated. Keep your hand off. I mean, it's just that well, simple. That's, Yell I, all I'll you want. Absolutely. Keep I'll your stand, hand off. 
Keep it. Who cares? Who cares that Pruitt just touched the face mask, Greeny? I mean, I, I don't know what, what what's wrong with grabbing a kid's face mask in football. Well, I mean, that wasn't even a grab. No, it was like a little uh, caress. He put, he put like a finger up there, too. And, he, and I think the purpose was to move the quarterback's head to face him so he could talk to him eye to eye. So I, I don't, I mean, I didn't. It didn't bother me in the slightest. If, if somebody hadn't have brought it up, I would have never even mentioned it, never even noticed it. Trevor Maddox joins us now, ESPN College Football Analyst. Trevor, your thoughts on the Jeremy Pruitt face mask grab, and do you have a problem with it? Under the circumstances, I don't. If it had been a play that just didn't work out, in other words, had he tried to jump with a sneak over the top, when he wanted him to run the quarterback sneak but keep the ball down low, then it would have been over the top to grab his face mask. Keep in mind that Jeremy Pruitt walked about four yards out onto the field, pointed at Garantano, and then as Garantano was still on the field, walking off the field, looking where he was going, that's when the little face mask grab happened. If that had been the case, then uh, I, would have, I would have said that was too much. It was not necessary to show up your quarterback like that. Here's the problem. The starting quarterback was out uh, with a concussion, I guess. And this was your guy. This was your chance to win the game. They were playing Alabama close, even though they played 27 freshmen and sophomores. They still played Alabama close at Alabama. And this play was actually a power play to the left. And it would have been a, a walk-in. It was, it was a perfect call by offensive coordinator Jim Chaney. Basically, it was blocked down on the pile of players, of defenders that were inside, pull a guard and kick out the end man. And as it worked out, it worked perfectly. The 10 men on the defense were jammed on the inside, and the guard was kicking out the end man. And if he'd have handed it off, Garantano, it would have been a touchdown. And it would have brought them into a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter. Instead, while the offense ran the correct play, the quarterback decided to do a quarterback sneak. The offensive line wasn't blocking quarterback sneak. As a matter of fact, the left guard who pulled left a gaping hole that the defense came through, and that was part of the group that stopped him. Then, of course, he fumbles the ball. They pick it up and go 100 yards for a touchdown the other way, and that's what broke open the game for Alabama finally, right? So this was a moment where the quarterback decided that he would veto the play call and not tell anybody else about it. Now, if that's what happened, now he, he might think that he misheard the play, and but everybody else heard the play right. Wasn't he now, the one that, that tells? Them, the case, isn't he the one that tells him what the play is? Uh, well, he's yeah, he's the one that tells everybody else what the play is. That's right. And but although a lot of times they'll all look at the sideline, but the quarterback, if he's the only, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to lay out a possibility that there's something that we don't know because right now it looks like Garantano decided that he was gonna gonna freelance when the play that was called would have scored a touchdown. Now, that's the backdrop. That's what sets it up. Now Garantano's walking off the field. Now the coach comes out five yards, four yards on the field and is pointing at it, right? Then he grabs his face mask, just a quick little jerk on the bottom, bottom of his face mask. Now, the original question, Jared, was do I have a problem with that? In this circumstance, here's why I do not. When a player gets emotional, when a player loses his composure when a player gets outside of what the coaches are asking him to do sometimes a coach has to do something to get him reset to get him mentally reset 
For some players, that's, you, you talk to them. For some players, you ignore them. For some players, you give them a little push, a physical contact. So you, you push him in the shoulder, you just a little snatch on his face mask kind of a thing. And I think that because he was the last quarterback, they had a chance for them to win the game. And the game that's still at the moment of that, of that play call was winnable. I got the impression that what he was trying to do was get Garantano reset to do what the coaches, coaches were asking him to do. If it were just to punish him for physically making a poor play, then I would be all over Pruitt for it. But the door is open for the reason for Pruitt to grab that face mask like he did was to mentally reset his quarterback and get him back into the here and now. And if that's the case, then it was absolutely the right thing to do and the best thing to do for the player. Trev, we were talking about the the upper echelon players at the begin. I mean, teams at the beginning of the year this year. And for whatever reason, some injuries, some just playing poor. You look at Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama, and right now you're not thinking they're among the best in the country. Yeah, you're right. And and well, among the best, sure, but unbeatable elites, no. Uh, as we know, Georgia's already gotten a loss, and Clemson and now Alabama look like they have some real issues. They all have their own reasons for it. Georgia, we talked about this all year. They've got an outstanding running game, but they've got all new receivers, basically, for their quarterback, Jake Fromm. NFL quarterback and no one to throw to that he's got any chemistry with yet because they're new or they're young or they're both new and young. And so from the beginning of the season on tape, I've noticed that while the short passing game has been fine, the long passing game over the top, you know, where the ball travels 15 yards in the air or more, has been really bad. It's been – it's just not in sync. And part of the reason, I think, again, is the chemistry between quarterback and receiver. Well, that allows defenders to come up and jam up the short passes and jam up the run, and that's exactly what South Carolina did to beat them. And when they get into games against the elite, uh, Florida's coming right up. You know, they, they will need to either prove that they are so good that they can just mash you, or they'll need to get that chemistry squared away, but that's their vulnerability. For Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa is now out. How long will he be out? Well, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come back for the LSU game, but he will still probably be limited for that game uh, because he's had surgery, for goodness sake. And so the um, and they've got a lot of young guys on the defense. Alabama's offense, they ran the ball pretty well against Tennessee, uh, but over the course of the season, they have not been the overpowering, rushing juggernaut that we've known them to be. And if the quarterback is not able to hit those receivers, they're going to have to run the ball better. Uh, and so this is where they're vulnerable. Plus, they got the young guys on defense, of course. Um, and then the third team was Clemson. Yeah, Clemson's offense is just really clunky. It's really clunky. And at this point in the season, I thought Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, would have already broken out. I thought he would have already put his slow start behind him and began to just light people up. Instead, what we saw is what we saw against Louisville, where, yeah, they got lots of yards, lots of points, I get it, but he was throwing the ball up for grabs into the end zone, had a couple of them picked off. One of them, his guy went up and got it, like they did all all year last year. But now, whereas last year it looked like he was trusting his receivers and putting it where they could get it, this year it's looking more like He's throwing the ball up for grabs and hoping. That's a completely different thing. I mean, a lot of the, the pinpoint passers will know that their guy can jump up to a certain spot that the defender can't get, 
and he'll throw that ball to that spot, and it's eight inches away from an interception, but it's not really that close. So I, I worry that Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball up for grabs and isn't fixing it. And so, you know, he's not going to really be challenged by any defense until he gets to the playoff, if they make the playoff. But right now, this is not a playoff caliber offense. Trevor Maddox, GSP and college football analyst. We'll get Trevor's thoughts on more. Plus, Vanderbilt going to fire Derek Mason. We'll discuss with Trevor next. Live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game. Jared and the GM, we got tons of college football to get into. Tua's injury, how does that affect the West race? And, of course, the situation in Vandy. Trevor Maddich, ESPN college football analyst, is with us as always. So Tua Tunga-Vailoa goes out with an ankle injury, has surgery. Don't know when, when he'll be back. But Floyd, Tua will miss the Arkansas game this week. Then they have a bye. Then they have LSU. If Tua is not ready by LSU, will they still be able to beat LSU? Uh, it's going to be tough now I mean, without Tua. Let's face it, because that's going to be one of those games you're going to have to score some points. And if you can't score points, then, you know, it's going to be difficult. And and so I, I don't know. I don't know who this backup is. I mean, historically, whoever they – bring in you know the next guy up is all has always been pretty good so you know they may have some heisman trophy winner sitting there that we don't know anything about so for arkansas it'll be mac jones now it's obviously not jalen hurts but that's who they're going to go to trevor maddich with us trevor if tua is out for lsu is there any shot alabama has to beat lsu and to win the west only if they can go back to 2010 2012 and pound the ball on the ground and keep Joe Burrow and that LSU offense off the field. I don't see that happening. Uh, but really, the the high-powered scoring machine that is LSU's passing offense, with Tua in there and healthy, they've got the ability to keep up with it because he's got a group of receivers every bit as good, and Tua's every bit as good as Burrow in a lot of ways. So I think that not having him in there means that they'll still have to turn Mac Brown or Mac Jones loose and have him try to get the ball to those receivers and try to keep up throw for throw. But ultimately, those will need to be off of play action to give him a better chance, and that means the Bama rushing attack had better thrive. Trev, we um, we saw Tennessee play Alabama this weekend, and even though the score was lopsided, we were talking earlier, I, I think in the last two and a half uh, halves, of college football, the Tennessee team has looked much better, and they've had to alternate quarterbacks. Would you would you agree with that or not? I would totally agree, totally agree. They're playing as many young guys really as anybody in the country. We've already talked about how they played twenty seven freshmen and sophomores at Alabama, and they took that game into the fourth quarter, and that was with not only you know a switch in quarterbacks, although Alabama did too, but it. It was also with some questionable calls from the officials and just some things that went against them. And then their quarterback went rogue on a on a big play that became a huge swing midway through the fourth quarter with that that botched quarterback sneak. So you you take all that stuff and they played Alabama toe to toe in that game. If you watch the tape, and didn't just look at the box score. And I think this Tennessee team, young Tennessee team, 
is learning how to win at college football, is learning that you can't go out there and out-athlete people like these guys did in high school, which for many of them was just a year or two ago. You've got to play a very specific, disciplined alignment assignment technique in order to give yourself a chance. And I think early on guys were trying to do what they did in high school, which was go out there and win the game for their team because they're great. Well, you can't do that here. And I think as time has gone on, they've seen on tape that they're actually better when they try to do less. And that's part of the payoff for this coaching staff playing so many guys so early that they learn these mistakes now. They learn these lessons now. And they're not you know, going anywhere this year anyhow. I don't think anybody expected them to win the SEC East this year anyway. And it looks like they're on a trajectory now to be competitive in the SEC East as early as next year if a few key positions fall into place and then move on from there. So, yeah, I agree with you, Floyd. I mean, you see the trajectory, and that's why Tennessee fans, I think they've been patient for year after year after year. I mean, they've been patient for so long. But the circumstances are such that patience is still required, but now I think they see players being developed, and we've seen the developing of those players show up on the field over the last game and a half or so. Trevor, Derek Mason at Vanderbilt, uh, I guess last week there was a lot of talk about his job security, although we didn't really hear much of that because I'm not really sure we like the rest of Nashville care much about it. But Derek Mason beats Missouri and kind of, I don't want to say grandstanded, but definitely got up and said, hey, I'm made for this job. A lot of people want this job, but I'm made for this job. We think Vanderbilt would be crazy to fire Derek Mason because we don't think that they'd have any shot of getting a good coach. Do you agree, or should Derek Mason still be in trouble because Vandy is so bad? I think that that win helps. It helps a lot because it showed that the players were still playing for their coach. They were playing for each other. Derek Mason has not lost this team. That is huge. And I think when when people making the decision as to whether or not to move on from Mason, one of the things you look at is, is does the team still have a chance to get better under Mason? This year there are some real holes in the roster, especially on the back end on defense in terms of speed. And yet they were able to, to rise up and play really well against the high-flying Missouri offense. I think that Mason's, you called it grandstanding, um, I would say his, his emotional um, assertion after the game, because I saw it, boy, and he was, he was hot. My first impression of it was not positive. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this is a defensive coach. He's a defensive mind. And he's defensive emotionally as well. And most of the time when you see Mason, you see him very much in control. And there I think he gave himself a bit of an indulgence where he allowed himself to express to the public the emotion that he felt about his team winning that game in the way that they won it. And I don't think that's negative at all. You need a guy that's passionate about Vanderbilt. You need a guy that wants to be there. You need a guy that loves the players that the players love. Now, emotion is good as long as it's controlled and as long as it's, it's shared in a positive way. And I think this game might end up being a turning point for Vanderbilt. Should they fire Derek Mason? Right now, I would say no. You know, there's, there are several reasons why I am, I am in Mason's corner, which we can talk about another day. But I haven't seen from him anything that tells me that he can't get this team on a good, a good pace. Trev, I keep thinking that if... If Tennessee continues to improve, if Tennessee can sneak by South Carolina this week, that there may be four or five 
following games that they will be right in the thick and have, you know, maybe a better than average chance to win each one of them. I think you're probably right. I mean, Missouri showed that they were vulnerable against Vanderbilt. Tennessee certainly has more talent than Vanderbilt, and, and Missouri and Vanderbilt just took them down, right? And then uh, South Carolina, that'll be a tough game. South Carolina has just, they're feeling themselves right now. They yeah. beat Georgia, and then they think they had Florida, but for some bad officiating calls, which I agree with. There were some horrifically bad calls that were on critical plays that went against uh, South Carolina, and I think Will Muschamp has the right to be furious about that. But the practical matter is that uh, that South Carolina team right now is thinking that they were robbed. And remember, the best favor you can do for a college football player is to make him feel disrespected, make him feel like you took away from him something that he earned. So South Carolina is going to come into this game hot. I mean hot. If Tennessee can withstand the initial, the initial flurry from South Carolina, and if they're able to get past them, then you're right about that because a bowl game is not out of the question, but they need four wins in the last five. And if they can, if they can steal one from South Carolina, their season will be extended. Trevor Maddox, last one for you. Is Georgia in real trouble? Did not score a point in the first half against Kentucky. And are they really that much better than Florida? And with Auburn at Auburn on the schedule, how much trouble are the Bulldogs in? Well, I think that Georgia is uh, a team that, that I said before the season I thought Florida was going to beat Georgia in the regular season. Uh, and, of course, then again, I also was really high on Michigan, and they've, they've gotten off to a slow start you know, slow starts. But I still, when I've seen the tape, I think Florida will beat Georgia. And the reason is that they've got more playmakers on defense, Florida does. I mean, absolute guys that are individual game changers. And on offense, their receivers are making more plays. Now, they're not always deep down the field, but sometimes they are. But other times they're just quick throws that the receivers then make a guy miss, and off they go down the field. Whereas Georgia's receivers are not getting that done. On paper, the quarterback matchup favors Georgia heavily, but the passing game big play factor favors Florida heavily. And so I think that Georgia is in real trouble, and they better figure out how to make a big play. Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Analyst, joins us every Tuesday. Trev, appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Trev. We'll see you, Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Analyst. Coming up next, Mike Vrabel said something that didn't happen on Sunday is going to happen in the future. But has he already been proven wrong too many times? We'll discuss. Jared and the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena, plus Hal Gill, Predators Game Day. Tons coming up. It's Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025 The Game. Authentically American. I've got Authentically American on today. Dave's got his Authentically American on. We love Authentically American. They do wonders for us. And if you want 20% off of everything made in the USA, you got to go to Authentically American and use the promo code Jared. That's right. My name, Jared, J-A-R-E-D. Authentically American is an American company, which means their clothes are processed right here in the United States. Everything with Authentically American is made in the USA. Authentically American can take care of you, just you the individual, you the business, like they take great care of me and our business. I absolutely love everything I have from Authentically American, like this Made in the USA polo right here. It's got the Made in the USA features, plus the no-roll collar and the moisture-wicking fabric. You will love it as well. Authentically American is online at AuthenticallyAmerican.us. Authentically American, promo code Jared, 20% off the next iconic brand. 
that is truly American-made. Jared the GM at ESPN 1025 The Game.